I don't know about you, but um, there are certain pictures that you see on, on the TV or on, on your social media that, that capture something, and there's nothing more inspiring than pictures of rescue. Isn't that true? And with all of the tragedies going on in our world right now, when we see a, a, a story of a rescue, it really inspires us. Like the Grenfell uh, Tower thing. And yes, it's so tragic. So many people lost their lives. But some of those pictures that we've seen about people being rescued. Do you remember the Chilean mine rescue a few years ago? Inspiring, wasn't it, when we, when we saw that? And then some of you who are much older, the, host, the Iranian hostage. Do you remember the Iranian, Iranian embassy? Some of you older people are nodding. Actually, recently, this fella... This fella here, in the middle with the beard, a Swedish guy, six years hostage. Um, Al-Qaeda held him for six years and he was released this week. What an incredible picture. And, um, and then the Chinese earthquake, again, just people pulled out of the rubble, rescued. What It's really inspiring, isn't it, when you see that? And then again, a really old one, the Apollo 13, the three guys that, that again were rescued. And for me, there's something inspiring about rescue. And when I looked in the Bible, the Hebrew word for rescue means salvation. Salvation literally means rescue. But here's the thing, the Jewish misunderstanding about the concept of salvation, rescue, was this. That they believed that salvation was rescue from their external circumstances. So in the time of Moses, it was rescue from slavery under the Egyptians. In the time of David, when they said, God, would you save us? Would you bring salvation? In their minds, in their psyche, it was, God, would you deliver us from our enemies, the Philistines? In the time of Jesus, when the Jews said, God, would you save us? Would you rescue us? Would you give us salvation? It was deliverance from, the, from their enemy, which was Rome. The Jewish misunderstanding is that salvation is rescue from your external circumstances. Whether that's sickness or whether it's poverty or whether it's tough times. Now, the non-Jewish misunderstanding about salvation or rescue is that salvation is rescue from your sins so that when you die, you go to be with God in heaven. Both of those things have truth in them, okay? But, but neither of them are an adequate understanding of what God means when he says he will give us rescue. You see, salvation is literally this. Salvation is being rescued from a life of disconnection with God. Salvation is being rescued from a life of disconnection with God. And there are lots of things that stop us from being connected to the life of God. And it can be our sin, and it can be sickness, and it can be difficulty, and it can be that. But it's much bigger than anything like that. And um, you see, for me, uh, growing up in church, I was all, I thought that salvation is just something that I've got to get right. I've got to get on a form. I've got a ticket somewhere so that when I die, I'll go to heaven. And, and, and preachers used to say things like this. If you were knocked over by a bus tonight, do you know where you're going? And I used to think A&E, but I don't think that's what they meant. I don't think that's what they meant was A&E. I think it was something else. And you know, that's all true. That's all true. But salvation, rescue is much bigger and broader than that. And I want to suggest every single one of us need rescue almost on a daily basis. Because there's always something disconnecting us from the life of God. And uh, the Bible says in John 10 verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, when the Bible uses any words, you've got to understand, you haven't got to understand, but you can understand, that there's lots of different options for those words. In the New Testament, that there were two main words for life. One was called bios, which is the root word for biology. 
Anyone remember biology at school? We're in a school hall here. And it means natural life. Okay, that's great. On the average lifetime includes 250,000 hours of sleep, 76,000 meals and 200,000 trips to the bathroom. And if you're a middle-aged man, a lot more than that, I want to suggest. In fact, I remember when we were on a trip to South Africa and we were in a dormitory. I really shouldn't be going down the line with this story, but I've started, so I'll finish. And we were in a, dorm, we were in a little dormitory. There were about five of us, men of a certain age, and the toilet was over the other side of the field. And literally, it was so funny the first night when it was like, and when you got up, you're going to wake everybody else up. It was so funny. Everyone was holding on and waiting, not wanting to wake anyone up. Then when one guy got up and went to the loo, there were four guys behind him. Like, that was so funny. <laughs> but anyway, that's nothing to do with this. So that's one word. That's one word for life. Bios, natural life. But the other word for life is Zoe, is the word Zoe, which isn't about the kind of, kind of uh, natural life. It's way beyond that. It is about natural life, but it's a quality of life that comes only from knowing God. And when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, guess which word he uses? It's not bios, it's Zoe. So I might come that you might have Zoe life, which is a quantity, a quality of amazing life, which is about a connection with God. Salvation is being rescued from a life of disconnection from God. So one day Jesus is walking along and he sees this man that the Bible calls a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to have life. And he looks at him and he says, well, are you a good boy? Have you kept all the commandments? I've done all that. And then he says this, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, he doesn't say that to any other rich man. He only says it to this one because he knows his wealth is what's keeping him disconnected from the life of God. And so he meets a woman at the well and he says, you know, drop your bucket and come to the well. And he says, and then he starts speaking into her life and, and about relationships. And, and she says, uh, you know, the, the man I'm with, is not my husband. And she, he says, no, you're right. You know, you've had so many because it's relationships that are keeping you from being, dis- from being connected to the life of God. That's what you need to let go of. And Pontius Pilate, it was his power that kept him disconnected from the life of God. What, what about you this afternoon? What about you? What is stopping you right now from being connected again to the life, the Zoe life of God? Maybe for some of us, it's fear or failure. Maybe it's worry or work. Maybe it's ambition or addiction. Maybe it's comfort or cancer. I don't know what it is that's stopping you, that's disconnecting you from the life of God. But if it is, the great news is you can download new life today. You can receive rescue from God. And I don't know about you, but I need that on a daily basis. You know, every day I want to get up and say, today, God, will you save me again? You might think, oh, that's dodgy theology. I think we need rescue on a daily basis. I know where I'm going when I die. That's all sealed. But I don't want just to go to heaven when I die. I want to experience God's life now. Isn't that right? And God, would you come? And how does this work in us? Let me just show you one quick story. An amazing story. I love this story. Luke chapter 6. And it's, this is how, how do we discover new life? How do we download this life? How does rescue happen so we discover this Zoe life? Listen to this story. On another Sabbath in Luke chapter 6, Jesus went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. Some translations say withered. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled or the withered hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So we got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? 
He looked around at them and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and was, his hand was completely restored. This man received physical healing, but I want to suggest he received much more than that. He received Zoe life. He received new life. You see, what was really interesting is that Jesus on the Sabbath was healing someone, which in the Jewish system was a big deal because they were all bound up by the law and everything. And, uh, but, but Jesus kind of cut through all that because he wanted life. And actually, he often said to the religious people, it's your religion that is keeping you disconnected from the life that I've got for you. You know, and actually what he wanted was them to have life, not just to have religion. And these religious people were, were, were people whose hearts had become hardened. And they were in the temple that day. And people who, who watched but didn't engage, who observed but didn't invest, who looked only with the purpose of finding fault. Can I say to you, if you're a Christian, it's really easy to become one of those. It's really easy over months or years to be disconnected from the life of God and to do everything else right, but actually your heart can get hardened. And so you watch, but you don't engage. You observe, but you don't invest. And you look only with the purpose of finding fault. They were people with hardened hearts. And you can get a hardened heart through religion, but you can get a hardened heart through disappointment. You can get a hardened heart through hurt or betrayal or sin or bitterness or pride or ambition. But you can also not only have a hardened heart, but I think you can also have a withered heart or a shriveled heart. And I want to suggest, I can't prove it, but I want to suggest maybe this man had that. Because he didn't just have a withered hand. I think, you see, you never hear this man speak in the text. He's always on the outside. It's almost like his condition, if you like, in life has caused his heart to be withered and he's withdrawing from everything. And he's someone here who, who I want to suggest that life happens around him and to him, but not in him and through him. Life happens around him and to him, but not in him and through him. Could this withered hand be the sign of a withered heart? And what Jesus does is really interesting because it's not very politically correct. It's not very uh, seeker sensitive. He says, stand him out in the middle and get him to put out the shrivel withered hand. I mean, that's really, I'd nev you'd never do that. But what he's doing is I think he's saying, hey, you need to come from the outside into the inside. You need to come from the edges into the center. And the thing that is disconnecting you from the life of God, you need to put it out there. And actually, when you put it out there, see what I can do. And it's amazing. Because then as he reaches out his hand, actually, new life is downloaded into this man's life. I don't know what your withered hand is. I don't know what your shriveled heart is about. I don't know, but maybe this afternoon, you know that actually your heart is a little bit shriveled or a little bit withered. Maybe your heart has even got hardened. And maybe it's that that is disconnecting you from the life of God. But I want to tell you this afternoon, on this beautiful day, in this great place, you can receive new life today because Jesus is here. Isn't that amazing? You can be reconnected again with the life of God of God. So is it time for new life to load for you? Why don't we just close our eyes just for a moment? If salvation is rescue from a life of disconnection with God, then you know when, when, you, when you're drowning, you need to reach out a hand, don't you? And that's what Jesus actually asked this man to do, to stretch out his hand. And you know, they say sometimes that when you're in the rescue situation, often it's the way that people are who are being rescued, which, which prohibits them being rescued. Sometimes they try too hard on their own, or sometimes they don't reach out a hand. And so just as we 
as we draw things to a close. You know, if there is anyone here this afternoon and you'd say, hey, I could do with being reconnected again to the life of God. Uh, Maybe you're not yet a Christian. So maybe for you, this is the first time you've ever done this. But maybe you are a Christian, but actually you know that something is disconnecting you from the life of God. Then all you need to do is just to reach out a hand to Him. Just to say, God, would you come? Would you come? And I just all are in this place. If there's anyone here, I just want you to say, why don't you just put up your hand? Just say, hey, that's me. That's me. I need to be reconnected with the life of God. Thank you. The back there. Thank you. Anyone else? You're just saying, God, that's me. God, that's me. You're not responding to me. You're responding to him. You're saying, Lord, I don't want to hold this anymore. I don't want my heart to get withered or hardened. But I want my heart to be soft. I want to be reconnected to your life. So Lord, I want to just thank you for these guys and girls here. Would you just fill them right now with your presence and with your spirit? Jesus, would you come? Would you come and bring rescue? Would you come and bring life? And life in all of its fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. God's amazing, isn't he? You know, at the end of our time together, we... um, We'd love to invite you through uh, into the restaurant there for refreshments, for donuts. Also, if any of you would like prayer, there's a little prayer space just down this corridor opposite the donuts uh, where you get the donuts. And there's a little space there with some chairs there. Some people would love to pray for you about anything that you've got going on in your life and just to join with you in that as well. But right now, we're going to celebrate the, uh, the life that we've got in who He, in who he is. And we're going to stand together. And this is an amazing song that I know many of you will know. Uh, called No Longer Slaves. This is who we are. You know, this is life. You know, we're not a slave any longer to fear. We're not a slave any longer to any of those things that disconnect us from the life of God. But we know who we are in Him. So why don't we stand together? And you know, the end bit of this song talks about the fact that God will take us through. You know, He can split a sea. He can bring down a wall. He can take us through. And I think for us as a church, you know, we're on a journey here right now. And uh, in your own life, you're on a journey as well. And you need to know, you know, that we we talked about how God is so faithful. God's not just faithful yesterday, but He's faithful today and tomorrow as well. And He can lead us through. And that's what this song's about. So let's really fill this place with a sound of praise and of worship and of life as well. And as you're singing it, you know, let's sing it out over our communities and over this community here in Hagley and over our community in Halzone and wherever else you're from and over lives as well that we come into contact with as well. So let's see. Thanks, guys.